Hello and welcome to the One Hope Podcast, where faith and life connect. A podcast done by One Hope Church in Gig Harbor, Washington. Enjoy! Hello, this is Sierra, and I will be your podcaster today. Today's passage is Galatians 3, 6-9. In Galatians, there seems to be an element of confusion uh, over the role of works and of the law and the role of grace, and there's conflict on this point between certain Jewish Christians and other Christians, it seems like is what's going on in the book. Paul is addressing this in our passage, which reads as follows. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, the grammar is a little weird there because he's, he's at the end of a list of rhetorical questions, but it continues. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Here, it seems like by saying that God preached the gospel um, in a vague way to Abraham through the promise that all of the nations would be blessed through him, which we now know will happen through Jesus. And because what made Abraham the father of uh, uh, the Jewish faith righteous was believing God, um, that it is his, that it is this faith, which is the core of the identity that of the sons of Abraham and not works of the law, um, as some of the Jewish people at the time may have been assuming or thinking. It seems like Paul is really pressing into the sons of Abraham idea, potentially because for some of the Jewish people at the time, they maybe come from a background of what it means to be the people of God is their heritage as Abraham's descendants. But Paul is saying that there is a very real sense in which the Gentile Christians are also part of this lineage through belief in God. Uh, with Abraham as the first believer, literally the father of, or I guess also figuratively, the father of their faith. Um, And that even for Abraham, like, yeah, I guess that's figurative, figuratively the father of their faith. And that even for Abraham, um, it was not the works of the law that defined that faith. Um, Knowing what we know now, I think a lot of this may seem pretty obvious, but I think that it was a very smart move by Paul, very much playing chess and not checkers. Uh, But what does that mean for us? In order to investigate this, I kind of went back to the story of Abraham in Genesis, not only because of the importance of the to the passage, importance of the earlier passage to this later passage, but also because, as some of you may have guessed, I'm a little more comfortable with the narrative components of the Old Testament than I am with the epistles, because... Uh, the epistles can be dense and didactic and convicting and because you're only listening to one side of the conversation and when it's a super intellect like Paul writing, it can be hard to understand. I mean, even just making it, only hearing one kind of side of the conversation kind of also makes it hard to understand. Um, but anyway, in Genesis 15, um, that's the chapter that talks about Abraham uh Believing God and being counted, it and that belief being counted to him as righteousness. Um, what was he believing? He was believing that God would give him descendants, it seems like, at least because that's what it's talking about right before that line. Even though this is a part of, even though this is in part talking about the gospel, as mentioned above, um, I'm not really fully convinced that Abraham is thinking of it that way. In this passage, he seems kind of bitter, and one of the commentaries that I read said something to the effect of that he was frustrated or... Um, some sort of related or similar sentiment to that. The passage reads, um, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. 
sorry, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abram, or no, sorry, I messed that up. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer, son of Damascus. And Abraham, sorry, I keep saying Abraham, and I, Abram said, and Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Sorry about that, but I think you get the point. For a guy who is um, counted as righteous for his faith, this does not seem like what you would expect the response to be. Like, God makes him a promise, and he seems to be asking, like, what is that even worth? Like, why does it matter if he gets anything, if he has no one to pass it down to? And there may be cultural differences at play here between that time and our time. Like, it might have been more important at that time that you passing things down to your kids. I mean, there's an element of that in our culture. Like we want of like the American dream, at least within the last 50 years being like, or 50 or hundred years being like, Oh, you give your kids a better life than you had or something. But here, maybe there, it was even more of a big deal, but I still think he's being a little dramatic. Um, I, cause I like, this is a really wealthy guy. Um, he has lots of donkeys, he has camels, he has silver and gold and servants, he's married, and it said that his wife was really beautiful. Like, God has already blessed him a ton. He has a lot of things that other people, um, like the servants, might not have. He also just came from a battle where a bunch of people probably died, and he won it. And while other people are dead, he's still alive. But he's really zooming in here on the one thing that he doesn't have. Because that is what seems like the only important thing to him. And I think culture can be an influence on what seems like the only important thing to us. But I don't think it necessarily means that that's like an excuse for that. Um, Yeah, I think that there's definitely a lesson here for us. I think that we often really zoom in on the one thing that's going wrong and get so frustrated that it feels like without that one piece of the puzzle, it's hard for us to be thankful or enjoy what we do have. And there may even be rationalizations behind it, like, without an heir, why does it matter how much stuff I have if I have no one to give it to? Uh, But we should still not forget to look at all of the blessings that we have. However, I think it's important to note that God does not say that. And in addition to not saying that, God also does not chastise Abraham for having a worldly perspective, for asking, what will you give me? And not, how do you plan to bless how does your plan, like, how will your plan to bless the nations be achieved? I mean, maybe he's thinking about God's ultimate plan to bless the world, but it, it doesn't really seem obvious that that's his main concern from this passage. Um, in the following passage, uh, the following passage kind of has God's answer to Abraham. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look, toward heaven and the number of this look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them then he said to him so shall your offspring be and he believed the lord and and he was count and he counted it to him as righteousness so instead of giving wait did i read that right sorry no i'm now i'm overthinking it and six was and he believed the lord and he counted it to him as righteousness there might be a typo in there 
I, I copy pasted, so I'm not sure, but you get the point. So instead of giving Abraham a lectured, sorry. So instead of g- giving Abraham a lecture about being ungrateful or having the wrong priorities, God is just like, actually, you're literally going to get the exact thing that you want, and you receive that blessing on a huge level of magnitude, um, which is kind of surprising. You'd expect some kind of learning moment there. Um, the pattern is kind of, God gives Abraham a great promise. Abraham says that part of that promise is kind of empty. God promises Abraham exactly what he wants. And when Abraham believes it, he's declared righteous. And then right after this, God makes Abraham another promise about land. And he's like, well, how do I know I'm going to get the land? And then God makes the covenant with Abraham. And so it's like, wow, the faith of Abraham. He seems to have a very worldly focus and is full of doubts. Uh, but... As many frustrations as doubts and doubts as Abraham brings toward God, God doesn't punish him for those sentiments, and he does not lecture him about them either. Um, he also does not deny Abraham any of the previously promised rewards because of his grumbling. He just reassures him that it will work out. I guess that the faith that Abraham did have was to ask God the questions and put trust in the answer that he got, and then to keep asking God questions as doubts arose. Potentially, or something like that, because it seems like he doesn't have faith, and then he kind of has faith, and then he, you know, there's a lot of back and forth, but that's, he's still declared righteous for faith, despite that back and forth, which I think is really noteworthy. Um, I guess that one application of this is that it's okay to be honest with God about our frustrations in life, and to ask him the hard questions. God has a precedent of responding gently and graciously um, to that. And another application is, that if we have a friend come to us for advice in such a situation where they're fe- feeling bitter and put out by something that's going wrong in their life or that they see as going wrong in their life, there may be at least some times where our job is not to point out how ungrateful they are by how, or how ungrateful they seem to God or how they should have a more spiritual focus or different priorities. Um, But to reassure them that God does care for them, that they can reach out to God in faith and in doubt, and to remind them of the promises that God has made to those who are in Christ Jesus, those that are sons of Abraham through faith, and how God has kept his promise to Abraham, even though he doubted, and even when from a human perspective, it was hard for him to believe. Um, Yeah, let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for... Um, the Bible and for um, and for how you've not only given us this story in Genesis, but then given us, you know, even more of your word to kind of explain how this can how this can relate to us today. And I think and I pray that you will help us when we are going through things in our lives that don't seem to have solutions and that make us bitter and make it hard to enjoy the blessings that we have from you. I pray that you'll just help us to see that you do care for us and to focus on the promises that you've made for us and to know that you are going to fulfill those promises um, to us who who are in Christ Jesus. And I just thank you for sending um, your son to save us and for helping us to believe and just for being kind um, and patient and gentle with us as we try to to go through our lives and to live out our faith. Amen.